Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca podcast episode. And I'm literally so excited. I just like slapped the ring light next to me, moving my hands about wildly. I, I have a brand new guest with me today, Kristen Crable. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, Kristen. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, me too. And, and I know that kind of sounds like a cliche thing to say, but really, I'm truly excited. I, was, I told you before we started recording, I was just telling my team about you and the conversation that we had at the hybrid conference. Um, you started talking to me about what you're doing for the sake of your business with Pinterest. Um, and I was kind of blown away. And, and you were so articulate and, and, and just very talented in the way that you were able to communicate what you were doing with Pinterest. I was like, hey, can we do a podcast? And uh, you were graciously <laughs> willing to do so. So here we are. We're going to get yeah. into the, the conversation about Pinterest in a little bit. But we normally start off the book of podcast episodes with a series of questions, usually the same questions for each of my guests coming on. And the first one that I'd like to ask has to do with brand position or the value proposition, hopefully the unique value proposition that your business offers to your market. Now, I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit. You and I actually chatted about this briefly before we started recording. You mentioned to me that this was not a concept that was very familiar to you and that you're actually in the process of working on developing your brand. So can you give all of our listeners and myself a bit of context? Yes. Yeah. So I've started the rebrand process. I've actually everything that I've done most off, like up to this point has been kind of on my own. Like I've kind of just pieced it together. And I feel like too, in the kind of the beginning, I feel like it is kind of, that just naturally happens, right? Like you just are like, I don't know what I'm doing. So you just kind of start and you kind of hone in on, you know, the areas that you want to, to focus on. And so I do know that I want that I focus on um, elopements and like smaller weddings. And then I'm also wanting to get more into branding, a lot more branding, working with small businesses and things like that. So yeah, so I'm starting to work with a brand um, designer and strategist and trying to come up with exactly like all of those, you know, who I'm targeting um, and like the proposition and what makes me different and unique. Um, And I feel like it's so hard to do for yourself as well. So working with an expert is really great. So I'm kind of in the beginning phases of that still um, and working through that, which yeah, is great, but it's also, it's a lot of work to dive into and really find your uniqueness, I guess. So it's true. Well, I mean, there's so many photographers, you're based in the Vegas market, Mm -hmm. right? So I was, we actually just moved to Southern California. Okay. So I'm Vegas still like for elopements, but then starting to try to break into the Southern California market a little bit as well. So yeah, that's also a good time to rebrand, right? When you've just moved and you know, things like that too. So, well, so, I mean, whether it's Southern California or Vegas, these are both really crowded markets as far as photographers go, wedding photographers go. I know that elopement photography has become more and more popular as well. 
So yeah, trying to stand out amidst the crowd of photographers with yeah. something that that is distinct can be really challenging for sure. Are, are you has the research process started? Are you looking at your competition, trying to figure out how to st- stand out amongst that so called competition? Yes, yes. So that's what um, we've kind of started that process. Um, and she was looking at different people, and and I think a lot of it it was like the editing how I edit is very different than a lot of other elopement photographers. So that was kind of a point, like kind of the more like natural tones, the film look um, is a little bit different than a lot of other elopement photographers. Hmm. Um, So I think that was a point of kind of differentiation, like on, you know, just by looking at the photos, but yeah, just authentic is a a word that kind of kept coming up, like uniqueness, bringing out that in people, um, like kind of providing a calming experience. That was kind of some of the words we were looking at and like deeper connections. Like I'm a, like just being able to talk to people. I've kind of been decent at that, like having conversations and kind of like those deeper connections. Yeah. I have to, I have to jump in too and compliment you too, because the conversation we had never met prior to the hybrid conference a couple of months ago, but the conversation there was so easy. And I don't meet a lot of photographers who I guess are comfortable enough with themselves and, and genuinely curious, the conversation just flows. You know, you know how when like you, you yeah. meet somebody um, or maybe somebody that you already know and you get the sense that they're genuinely interested when they ask a question, they have this kind of inquisitive look on their face and, and they're actually paying attention, like they're keyed in, they're looking at you. Yes. It's, it's simple things like that that surprisingly aren't necessarily the norm and you're really great at that and it made conversation really easy and, and the back and forth was really easy. I can only imagine how that that just translates wonderfully to your clients and, oh, and, and would make a big, big difference in the way that you're able to continue to book clients, especially in that new market. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping to, and in, in finding, you know, that uniqueness, but like you said, yeah. And, and it's so hard too. I think when it's yourself, you just are like, Oh, that's how I am. And you don't necessarily see all of those you know, things is easy. So sure. it's been really good having a person kind of helping, you know, being like, yeah, this is how you are. This is who you are more so. And, you know, helping kind of flesh that out a bit more. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, you no, know, I think that's if, a big thing. If I could throw out a couple of ideas, just, um, it yes. kind of, uh, stream of consciousness, if you will, I would, cause I was glancing at your, uh, website earlier and then listening to you talk to, I mean, you actually have, and for anybody listening in is curious, if you go to Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-K-K-A-Y photography.com. And by the way, it's Kristen K photography on Instagram as well. We'll link to both of those in the show notes, but you have a, a position statement of sorts right there on the homepage and, and above the fold. Even this is something we talk a lot about here on the podcast, making sure that statement is above the fold. So they don't, the, the person that lands in your site doesn't have to scroll to find it. It says very simply unique, non-traditional desert elopements and weddings for laid back lovers. Um, now, that I think anyway, that is something that you could potentially run with, or at least a version of that. When when I look at non specifically non traditional desert elopements and weddings, in and of itself, stands out. Unique is almost kind of repetitive because if it's non traditional, it's likely going to be unique. And laid back mm-hmm. lovers, and unless you want to kind of filter out those who you know anybody but those who are like totally chilled out all the time. Um, may not be necessary, but that non-traditional desert elopements, if you back that statement up with really 
creative desert imagery, which by the way, for those of you who are curious, go to Kristen's Instagram. You're going to see some of this stuff. It's just really gorgeous, gorgeous work. You back it up with that imagery. That in and of itself could be really strong because the thing about talking about connection is that other photographers do the same thing. It's become kind of commonplace. Um, saying mm-hmm. you're unique if, if, you know, 20 other photographers within a hundred mile radius are also saying they're unique, then the potential clients like, uh, what, so who's unique, who's actually different here, um, rather than confusing them with, with a statement that somebody else is using, if you go the direction that nobody else is, um, and back that up with the imagery and the whole experience, just, I mean, you, you'll immediately make that much more of an impact. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> I I think there's yeah. a wonderful opportunity there to, to go really strong in the paint with, with as far as shooting in Southern California, I know that you have access to some desert, a desert landscape, maybe not quite as much as mm-hmm. Vegas. Um, is that something that you're yeah. going to continue to photograph in that type of environment? Yeah. So I actually, I live about an hour from Joshua tree. So oh, that's beautiful. another big desert. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're pretty close to that. And then also Palm Springs is about like 35, 40 minutes. Oh. Um, so it was actually perfect. Like this whole desert, you know, cause I can still go to Vegas, um, and do desert stuff there. And then I've, I'm an hour, you know, from the desert here in Southern California, a couple of really popular desert areas. And so that it just kind of made sense. And then Palm Springs as well is very colorful. Like downtown Vegas is very colorful. So kind of bringing in that really colorful. Yeah like vibe of, of both of those places as well, I think was also pretty important. Um, and then of course, yeah, the desert, I just, I love the textures and, and all that. And I think it kind of shows through in some of my work as well. So yeah, it, it totally worked out of like where we moved to, um, to kind of be able to keep doing that type of thing. And, and yeah, it's like such a niche market of like desert, you know, and a lot of people think the desert's ugly, but I find a lot of inspiration in it. So totally. Yeah. I think kind of running with that way is it's kind of worked out and and thankfully I don't have to completely, completely rebrand from Vegas. Um, we're still like about four hours from Vegas. So it works out great that way too. Oh yeah. You can, t- especially, I mean, taking a flight over there is 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. You could shoot a wedding or shoot an engagement yeah. session and pop back over. I mean, that's, that's nice that you can kind of tap into both those markets and then you continue with that desert theme. I'm actually looking at a, mm-hmm. a shot on your Instagram profile from back in May 17th of 2019. So about a year ago, um, that you photographed in Red Rock and it looks like a bride yeah. and groom or potential engagement uh, session, but with the desert and then the kind of mountains rising up in the background, it's just, it's gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. So for everybody oh, listening in, yeah. make sure you go check it out. Cause this is some really lovely stuff and yeah, and, and good luck with that branding process. Cause I know that can be challenging, but it looks like you've got something really strong to build on. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, it is. It is a challenge. And then yes, but hopefully we'll get through it and it'll all come together and, you know, make sense. So I'm excited. Well, we were talking about your ability in conversation, and this is a great segue to my next question about customer experience. What has been one of the most important principles that you have found in providing a really great customer experience for your clients? So along with that, communication um, is a big thing I have found and then really understanding their needs and being able to help them a lot. And also I found just being kind to people and, you know, understanding and and that type of thing, um, I think are the best, honestly. Yeah. And it's funny again, and I know I've, I've said this before in the podcast, but it's funny how the simple things, the, the things that, that should be normal, that should be expected, they aren't. And so when we actually follow through on those consistently, it really can make a big impact. People want to feel genuinely cared for in one way or another. They may be 
missing out on that in some way, you know, whether it's, it's mm-hmm. a total throwback to their childhood and issues they're dealing with from that, or just in the last week, nobody, their friends or family hasn't reached out to them, whatever it might be, you have the ability as a photography business owner and those of you listening in, same thing, to be able to make an impact just by smiling, being genuinely interested. Um, it makes a really, really big difference. So that's a really great reminder. Uh, but I want to get to another question. Um, we, you mentioned to me, uh, you're, you were talking about your husband, you all moving. Trevor is, of course, his name. But you and Trevor, how do you make time for each other amidst being a busy business owner as well? Have you found an effective way to balance working with personal life and, and having, I mean, balance may not be the word, uh, but happy with, I guess, the time that you're able to give to, to both of those things. Is there a particular workflow technique that you've learned? Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm always working at getting better at this. Like, okay. I don't think any, I don't think anybody's really mastered it maybe either, but, but yeah, I feel like it's always a work in progress because there's always exceptions or things that kind of come up. Um, but I've really been trying in the evenings to just put my phone down and mm. not be on my phone quite as much. I mean, maybe like a little bit, you know, if there's something super important, um, but just really trying to, you know, put it away and, and just really be present. I feel like it's so important, especially nowadays, um, you know, we're just so distracted. Um, so yeah, really being able to be present. And then another thing that I've been working on is not, um, checking and responding to my emails, like very first thing in the morning, sometimes I'll check them, but I won't respond. Like I'll just kind of look through and see if there's anything crazy that needs my attention. But most of the time I don't respond until later in the day. I try to focus on other things in the morning rather than getting sucked into emails right away. Um, but yeah, so that's a couple of things. We've also been doing a lot of walks um, recently with our dogs and kind of, you know, leave our phones back and, you know, just be able to talk and, and walk our dogs and enjoy being outside, especially during this time when it's kind of a slower time and can't really go anywhere anyway. Yeah, so yeah. walks have been really great getting sunshine and, you know, kind of getting out has been awesome. That's really, that's, it's the simple thing. Sometimes it really can make a big difference. Um, I, I, I just recently got a puppy and naturally, yeah. I'm of course taking him outside regularly. And um, yeah. it, it's funny how even just the simple experience of some fresh air in the morning when it's a little bit cool um, can be oh, quite invigorating. Same thing going out in the evening, too. It's best. really lovely, but it gives us a break from yeah. sitting in front of that screen all day. Absolutely. Yes. I know. Getting the dogs have, we have two and getting them has been one of the best things because it does, it makes me get up and move rather than sit in the computer, you know, or sit in the computer chair for hours and hours and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten up forever. (laughs) So yeah, they come in and they bark or they, you know, kind of tug at me like, mom, let's go play. So we go, you know, get up and move even just for a little bit too has been really great. Love it. Love it. Talk to me about um, outsourcing, delegating. This is something related to time management. Is it something that you've experimented with in some element of your business? Uh, And if so, have you found any benefit from it? Yes. So my number one thing that I have outsourced that I will never do myself again is that in my taxes. So hiring a guy to do that has been literally worth every single penny that I pay him. Oh, and yeah. I sometimes tell people, yeah, I'm like, I would gladly pay him probably like double or triple what he charges me. <laughs> um, I won't we tell won't him tell him. Yeah. But no, it's honestly, I did it. I think my very first year in business, I was like, okay, TurboTax or whatever, you know, I was, I'll try this. And and I cried for hours, I think, trying to do it. And after that, I'm like, never again, I'm going to figure out who to hire and get that done by somebody professional, because I do not want to deal with all those numbers and all the laws and the rules and 
nope, not worth it. (laughs) So yeah, that's definitely one. And then like we talked about too, hiring a branding expert has been um, what I'm working towards now, kind of working with somebody with that. And then I want to hire somebody to um, kind of like revamp and redo my website. Right now, the one I have is just kind of pieced together by me. I've been a lot of DIY is what I have done for a lot of my business, but I'm trying to work towards, you know, kind of getting things more professionally done and hiring experts and things like that. So this was a good question. I like it. Well, and and it's, you're obviously practicing, practicing this regularly. It really is true that especially, I mean, it's, it's, I guess a little bit more natural to outsource the things that are annoying to us or frustrating to us, like accounting. I mean, that, that was my biggest source of pain as a photography business owner, (laughs) largely because I, I just didn't manage it very well. And had I been more proactive, not only in the little bit of work that I need to do in putting numbers or otherwise, uh, but then also hiring a, an accountant to work with actively, consistently and on an ongoing basis, had I done that sooner, I would have been a much, much better place. So you're, you're highly intelligent mm-hmm. for making that move <laughs> when you did, because um, I, that is something that we can really suffer under the weight of if, if we're not proactive about it. I think it's really great. Is there... Um, in, in the process of kind of giving up, I mean, it's one thing to give up something you don't like, and I guess this is kind of what I was getting at, but what about the things that you enjoy ish, um, but, but you, you feel like it would be a better business move to go ahead and delegate anyway. Is there something that you've learned about communication in that process that's, that's helped you delegate more effectively? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's, it's really hard because I know there are things that I should start to be delegating more, but I've been, I really enjoy too, just learning each piece. So like with Pinterest, I've like really gone, you know, kind of deep with that and learning about it. And now that I know quite a bit, I'm like, okay, I think I could, obviously I could hire somebody, pay them, you know, a little bit and they could kind of manage a lot more of that or hire somebody to actually write up a blog post for me or, you know, just think like little things like that, that are such a time suck for me that I could easily, you know, kind of hand off to somebody else. I think for me, what holds me back a lot with this too, is finding somebody and like somebody that I can trust and like that I really work well with and that understands a lot about like the business and, you know, and and does a really good job. Um, So I think that's just been like the hard thing is kind of letting go of that control, which probably is a lot of, maybe some other people are like that too, but oh me yeah, that's been a hard thing. Yeah. Okay. I was like, my can't be the only one that (laughs) loves the control of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're so used to running our business as sole proprietors. And and the thing I've said before in the podcast is we're used to talking to ourselves, right? We don't have to actually take the thoughts in our mind and somehow figure out how to translate them to a language that somebody else can understand. And, um, and so in some ways it's convenient that way, but then we find that we become overwhelmed many times because there are so many moving parts. So um, I, I love yes. that you're moving in the direction more and more of delegation. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to do the same thing at the very least, do what Kristen did and find an accountant. If you don't have somebody to work with, get QuickBooks online. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already start just putting the data in there and they can take it from there and it makes everybody's life easier. I think that's a, a smart way to go. Talk to me about um, inspiration. Uh, I mean, this is, I can imagine that you are somebody who kind of soaks in the idea of inspiration. Maybe you find it in different places, but I, are there places outside of the industry, outside of photographers, Instagram accounts um, that you find inspiration yeah. for your photographic work and for your life as an entrepreneur? Yeah, totally. So 
Um, I find it, of course, nature is a big one. Like the desert, I find really inspiring uh, the textures. And then also flowers. I have been really getting into like floral design and flowers and playing with those. I think like the colors and the textures are just really inspiring. And I tell a lot of people, I feel like I'm a florist at heart. Mm. Like I'm a photographer, but I feel like I'm kind of more of that like earthy, just, you know, the the textures and florists always seem to be like the nicest humans on the planet. And so I'm like... <laughs> I feel like I just, and I, you know, I'm kind of more of like the hermit type, like I'm, you know, kind of want to be behind the scenes almost. So I'm like, I feel like I should have maybe been a florist, but, but yeah, I do. I love playing with flowers. Um, and I've been in quarantine. I've been, when I go to Trader Joe's, I'll grab a few different types and I'll start playing with them and, um, have been kind of doing like some different arrangements and things like that to stay creative. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been really fun, um, too. I really love doing that. And then so design wise, I love mid-century modern. Hmm. It's like one of the things we've been obsessed with for quite a while. So like the architecture and the design, like I just find it so interesting and unique and like kind of funky and weird and like shag carpet and pink toilets and like <laughs> just kind of these like really weird, you know, and all the natural light. Like I feel like mid-century modern just has all this incredible, you know, natural light coming into like their homes and architecture and, and they're just, it's so different, which now living close to Palm Springs, I'm in love with because it's filled with that, you know, so I just walk around in amazement. So yeah, I love mid-century modern. So that's another big one too. Yeah. That, that whole area around there, Palm Springs and Joshua tree is just stunning. It wasn't very long ago yeah. that I had the opportunity to go out there with uh, a photographer friend of mine, Chad de Blasio. Um, we, we took motor, we rented motorcycles and basically rode out into <gasps> the desert after WPPI one year. And Man, oh my gosh. It's just, it's stunning. It's stunning that look. And, and you're right. The, the idea of a little mid-century modern house tucked in underneath some palm trees and palm springs. I mean, it's just <laughs> like the idea is just lovely. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, we hadn't, we hadn't even visited Palm Springs. We had been dying to when we lived in Vegas, but we just never had quite found the time. Um, and then moving down here, we've been, that's like one of the places we would go you oh, know, yeah. to dinner and things like that. Yep. So we're excited to kind of get back into doing that a bit more and just, and even just driving around the city and looking at houses and finding all the craziness and the desert too, just has so much weirdness. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anybody else, but it's just always, you're just driving around. You're like, what is that? Like a random, even if it's natural or man-made or yep. whatever, there's just so much weirdness in the desert, which I love. So, oh, it's yes. so fun. Have you ever been out yeah. toward the um, the Salton Sea? No, not yet. But that is a drive I want to do. How, did you go out that way? Yeah, that was part of that that same trip. Um, oh my gosh! And, you know, when you you walk out onto this this so-called beach, which basically is like a combination <laughs> of sand and fish bones, you literally reach your hand <laughs> down and pick up a handful, and you can see the fish bones in your hand. Oh it's my the, gosh! It's the wildest thing. Yeah, definitely gonna yes. have to go. By the way, you mentioned design yes. being inspiration, and I don't I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, but. I, I, there is a, um, a particular app for soil that I use as kind of a source for photography news, tech news, um, because that's kind of related to what I do. And then I also follow design news and, and it's, the app is called Feedly, but the, the blog that I follow is called Dezine, spelled D-E-Z-E-E-N. Have you heard of it? No. If you get a chance, check it out and we'll link to it in the show notes for okay. everybody listening in too. Um, but I follow their feed and they, they produce quite a bit of content. And it's nice sometimes just to, I mean, it's nice to break outside for me to break outside of the photography industry and photography related news or even tech news and mm -hmm. look at something different. But sometimes just looking at the lines of a, 
you know, like a piece of furniture or the interior of a home or a watch or, you know, a car, whatever it might be, can in and of itself be quite inspiring um, and, and in some ways kind of drive me to be better in, in what I'm creating. And so I find some inspiration mm-hmm. in that too. And yeah, I highly recommend that blog to everybody. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to check it out. Cool. And and talk to me about books. This is something that we talk about regularly on the podcast. In fact, we have a whole section. If everybody listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, um, there is a collection there, the most po- uh, popular books that have been recommended here on the show. Haley put that together as a resource, so make sure you take advantage. But Kristen, what has been one of the most impactful business or self-help books that you've read or listened to? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm not the biggest reader. Okay. Um, I've just never have been, I don't know. I always felt like lazy reading, which is totally not true, but it was just kind of how I am. But once podcasts started coming out, Uh, I was like, okay, I can totally get into this because they're, (laughs) they're shorter, right? They're like an hour long. You can listen to them while you're doing something, you, you know, like learn little tidbits about things. It's not like an entire book that you're dedicated to. And I feel like they're really, they're just so engaging. Um, so yeah, so I've been like a huge podcast fan. Um, and then also I love learning um, and just getting stuff from like online courses and and free content that people are putting out, honestly, is how I, it's kind of like my reading. You know what I mean? I just, I, I do that. So Darcy Benincosa is one that I've learned quite a bit for um, with courses. And then Tailwind actually puts out a ton of content about Pinterest. So that kind of related to this topic is I listen to a lot of their Facebook uh, okay. lives that they do because yeah. they put out a ton of really good content. Um, so yeah. And then of course, you know, <clears throat> there's like a couple of podcasts too that I really love. Um, one is James Wedmore. He's like a businessy one. Cause I try to, to break out of the photography ones a bit as well, like get perspective from other industries. I've yes. learned that from a few people. So I try to, okay, like who can I kind of pull some knowledge from outside of the photography or wedding world or, you know, things like that. So, so yeah, so James Wedmore, um, was a great one. And then, um, yeah, so I don't, I, but I, a bunch of different people I kind of pull from and, you know, love learning from. Well, and we'll link to all of those resources actually that you just mentioned. We'll put them in the, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And it is nice to have a variety because it can be very easy to get fixated. Yeah. I've, I've pulled up a number, even just recently, just trying to kind of stay in touch with the industry and what's being discussed and talked about. I, I want to make sure that I don't get too um, kind of blinders on focused on just what I know and what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I've, I pulled up other podcasts, but I find my other photography podcasts, I find myself very quickly going outside of the industry. I'll listen in for yeah. a second or two, but then I, I'll go back to um, like, I'd listen to, to Joe Rogan. Are you familiar with Joe Rogan? Mm-hmm. To, yes, my husband. Yeah, Trevor loves Joe Rogan. He, he listens to him all the time. Yeah. He, well, and I have yep. to admit, I do as well. Um, it, it's one of the ones that I hit regularly. But the thing about Joe is that he yep. brings on a such a wide variety of guests uh, from yes. from comedians to you know presidential candidates to Elon Musk has been on there a couple of times, um, and, mm-hmm. and scientists. I mean, it's it's such a wide range, and Joe speaks to them very personally. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's a show that's being put on and pr- highly produced. He's just having a conversation with them and asks genuinely curious questions and calls their bluff when things seem kind of weird. Um, and yeah. I, I just love it, but it, it brings a nice variety. Um, and, and to my point about variety, I think it's good for all of us as business owners, as artists to, to consume a variety of content and certainly from a variety of people as well. Um, because that'll help us be more creative. It'll help us think outside that little tiny box that we sometimes get stuck in. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. That's what I found too. I'm like, okay, got to break out of the box. Like, and you know, I try, yeah, I try not to follow a ton of other photographers, you know, cause I just, I don't want to pull inspiration, you know, completely from within the industry. It's like trying to pull inspiration and ideas from outside of, I think is, is really helpful, but sometimes it's hard. Of course, like you, you get stuck back into like your little world and yeah. you know, all your friends are, are in that too, but which is good to support them too. Oh, um, for sure. But yeah. Well, it's nice to have a comfort zone. Uh, we just have to remember that the comfort yeah. zone isn't necessarily going to drive us to be even better than we've already you know, worked to become, if you will. So um, it's Absolutely. not about right or wrong as much as just occasionally branching outside. And, and it really can help educate us and, and grow us and in some cases inspire yeah. us. So, um, But speaking of, your your conversation with me at the hybrid conference I, I mentioned earlier was was pretty inspiring, pretty incredible. Honestly, when you started talking to me about what you have done with Pinterest for your business, um, I, I was, I, I seem to remember there was some really incredible stats that you shared to me, even like the amount of traffic that you're getting to your Pinterest page, I was kind of blown away by, but can you just give a little bit of context to kind of get this conversation started? Um, as far yeah. as what Pinterest has done for your business, the kind of traffic that you're getting to your Pinterest account and to your business as a result? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the number that they show on Pinterest um, is like the reach or whatever. So that's like that big number. So mine right now is 1.4 million, which seems crazy, crazy, but it's like, right. But, but it's also, so that is kind of a mix of all the pins that I've been pinning. And I, I pin other people's pins as well. And, you know, their blogs and, and things that I think my audience will enjoy. I know some people pin a lot less of other people's and, you know, fo- focus mostly on their own, but I do kind of a, you know, a good mix, but yeah, so that number is big. I think, you know, because of that, obviously it's not just all my pins that are getting that reach, but then I looked into Google analytics to try to kind of see how much traffic is actually coming to my website. And so I, in the last 90 days, 95% of the social network traffic is from Pinterest. That is wild. And like 5% from Facebook and less less than 1% from Instagram. So it was like crazy that it's so much traffic that's coming in from there. And so of course, you know, there's times then like the drop off rate, you know, you can look at kind of all all these numbers and like, you know, get really, really deep, but, but Pinterest too, like you can get a lot of clicks, but then sometimes like they don't really stick around probably, you know, like, I mean, when I'm on Pinterest, like sometimes I accidentally click and I'm like, Oh shoot, I didn't mean to, you know, go there. I was just kind of searching. So it's probably things like that, you know, kind of a higher click off rate, but yeah, it's still pretty cool how much traffic it can really drive to your blog and to your website, which then of course helps with SEO. And so I looked into my clientele to kind of see how much came from Pinterest. Like, cause I asked where they found me. Yeah. And so it was 31% for last year for my clients, 31% found me from Pinterest and 31% also found me from Google. And so in, for me, I feel like with Google, I think Pinterest has really helped my Google rankings and my SEO right. and helping people find me on Google. Right. So, so, you know, like if you kind of combine those two, it'd be about like 62%, you know, or whatever. So like a pretty big, um, you know, amount of my clientele. And then of course, inquiries on top of that, you know, like that's been a huge traffic source for inquiries and, you know, people kind of coming my way. That's so it's been awesome. I, yeah, to say the least, that's amazing. And and I don't know, maybe this kind of yeah. dates me because I, I stopped shooting full time back in 2012. But even since the conversations that I've heard from photographers have vastly centered around 
Facebook and Instagram. And, and then mm-hmm. even more so in, you know, recent couple of years or so anyway on Instagram, because it's image centric yes. and photographers tend to spend, it seems like most of their time there. And yet here yes. is this massive potential resource for business in Pinterest. And, and I didn't really get turned on to the idea um, until I interviewed somebody for the podcast. It's been a number of months ago, uh, Sheree Davenport, and we'll link to her, her episode in the show notes as well. But she was sharing some stats with me. And again, I was just kind of blown out of the water. I, I didn't realize that Pinterest, and again, this is going to show my naivety as, as far as you know, <laughs> being a photographer, but I just didn't realize that Pinterest, for the most part, wasn't anything more than just you know, a really cool place to go scroll and look at pictures uh, or you know, to pen, pen ideas to decorate your home with or whatever. But it, it's yep. actually a massive opportunity for photographers to book new business. And the reason, one of the reasons that I really, probably the main reason that I wanted to have you on the show, Kristen, is because um, I don't think that that is commonplace knowledge yet. I know that plenty of people are doing it. They're taking advantage of it, at least to a point. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's commonplace knowledge. And and it's a, a vast resource, really, that photographers could tap into. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about it. And I love that you started yeah. this off with like actual stats. And by the way, for everybody listening in, if you don't have Google Analytics plugged into your website and you're not reviewing it, you know, at least once a month to get a good idea of of how potential clients or clients are interacting with your website. Make sure you get that plugged in because it really is important, especially for the sake of SEO, to know where you're getting traffic for, uh, from. And a Pinterest can certainly be a massive source for that. So let, let's talk about how you're making yeah. this happen, Kristen. First of all, it, yeah. following trends. I mean, if, if you're going to post content to Pinterest, you want to make sure that you're posting relevant content, obviously. How do you follow trends um, to make sure that you're doing just that? Yeah. So actually, there's a brand new tool and it's just available in the US um, right now because it's kind of in beta, but it's called trends. So T-R-E-N-D-S dot Pinterest dot com is where you find it. And so in there, you're able to type in and find out like what is trending within Pinterest and when it's trending. So of course, Christmas, you know, those type of posts would probably be trending around like October, November, you know, maybe into December, things like that. So it's really cool to really see like the graph and how much things are trending and, you know, compared to other keywords. So you'll just type in the keywords and and that kind of gives you an idea, which is a really cool tool. And it's, it's newer. So I haven't used it a whole ton. Um, but that's a really cool way to kind of look at what the trends are. Um, and then again, I just kind of, I look at too, I mean, you can, of course there's trends, right. But if it doesn't have anything to do with your niche or with the, I, you know, like the clientele you're trying to attract, then I feel like it doesn't make sense to just write out, you know, trendy topics. So I've kind of just, you know, I I stick with my ideal client. I try to focus on like what they'll be asking, what they'll be searching for and things like that. And then it's trial and error a lot too. I mean, sometimes even like one pin does really well. And from the same post, the other pin does terrible and it's nearly the same photo, you know? So it's like that type of thing too is so crazy with Pinterest. It's like trying to understand that is, is pretty hard too. But again, it's a lot of trial and error with Pinterest, I feel like too. Sure. Which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think with pretty much any marketing effort and certainly social media marketing efforts, there is definitely trial and error involved, which is okay. Yeah. But I, I just, I mean, again, to your earlier stats, it's obvious that this can be a really great source of traffic and potentially clients. So um, taking advantage, yeah. first of all, of the tools that they built in. I mean, I actually went to trends.pinterest.com. And yeah, you can search certain terms and they even have by default, uh, for example, there's a heading here that says, 
today's top Pinterest trends. And the first thing, it's kind of weird, but mm-hmm. the, the first thing that comes up is olive oil cake. Have you ever made olive oil cake? What? No. <laughs> Isn't that the most random thing? Um, and that then, is so random. Yeah. Father's Day <laughs> gifts, ideas from wife, uh, graduation pictures, healthy dinner recipes, Weight Watchers recipes, tattoo ideas, female, end of year gifts for students, boho bedroom, graduation party decor. Anyway, those are the the ones that popped up yeah. the very top. But as you pointed out, like I'm, I'm going to type in, let's just see. Um, I'm going to type in wedding photography. We'll try to do a, a, a color commentary play by play here. Yeah. So um, what's interesting actually is if we look at, you, it actually shows you trends, the, the amount of searches over time for that particular term. And then you can see popular pins associated with it, that particular search term as well. Nonetheless, taking advantage of these tools, making yeah. sure we're staying up to date as far as what's relevant and letting that help drive the content that we're posting. It's really important. Um, I love that you said that you pay attention to the way that your clients communicate. You're using words that would resonate or be relevant to them. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And that really is a great segue to my next question, which is for or with, with regard to the blog content that you write. Uh, for anybody listening in, if you go to kristinkphotography.com slash blog, you can see um, Kristen's blog there, but how do you let that content on Pinterest then drive the content that you're writing for your blog? Yeah. So again, it's, so it's trial and error, right? So I'll blog, you know, like different venues or, or things like that. Things that I think people that are wanting, especially, you know, right now it's mostly focused on Las Vegas um, since we, you know, just moved from there, but, but yeah, so focusing on what people might be searching for when they're, you know, getting ready to elope in Las Vegas and, you know, all those things. And so then from there, like one of my most popular ones is a brunch wedding at the Neon Museum, which I think why it's so popular is because the Neon Museum, it's it's a popular venue and it's so unique. And so people are able, you know, like they'll kind of find it or start searching things like that. And, and mine has popped up over and over. And it's, I think I wrote it like over a year ago, um, this blog post, but with Pinterest, that's the other really cool thing is that it's a long game, right? So it's, I mean, a pin that I created two years ago can still be just as popular, you know, now or two, three years from now, like it it lasts forever, basically, like on this platform. And so it's really cool. And so yeah, I just I really try to look at which blog, which blogs um, are really performing well, like which post, and then writing content around that, you know, adding some more content or, or, um, yeah, trying to figure out like what, what's doing the best, right? It's, again, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's so, it's so much that goes into it. Yeah. Well, let me ask, when you talk about the long game with regards to blog posts and then how that relates to Pinterest, can you explain that in a little bit more detail? I think we may have even talked about this a little bit at yeah. hybrid. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so with that, so, I mean, when you compare it to Instagram, right, like Instagram posts, I think they say it's like a 24 hour basically is how long it lasts. So that is crazy compared to Pinterest where, I mean, it can last so long and it's, it's a search engine. So Pinterest, it's not really social media. It's more of like a Google, right? It's more of a, of a search engine. Mm. And so all of the, the posts and the pins and all of that on there can just keep getting like reshared and repinned and, you know, and more traffic. And and so sometimes some of them will kind of die out, but then if I repin them or kind of bring them back, uh. like they'll come back and start driving more traffic. I mean, it's just crazy how, I mean, it's endless what you can do with it and the amount of pins and even trying 
you can kind of come back and say, okay, like this pin did really well. Let me pin another photo that is kind of similar to this and see how well that photo does linking back to that same blog post, you know, so things like that, where you can kind of play with the pins that way and see how they go. But yeah, so it's a long game, honestly. I mean, there's some pins, if you look, I'll, I'll be repinning stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was like wedding trends, 2012. You're like, what? Like, how is this still, you know, we're like 2017. You're like, oh my gosh, that's like three years old, but it's still circulating and still getting repinned like crazy, you know, like it's all over the place. And so that's, what's so interesting with Pinterest is that sometimes, you know, it's all this content that has been on there for years, but it's still getting shared and it's still relevant, especially if it's like evergreen content, which you probably talk about a bit, you know, too, but it's like creating that evergreen content, you know, not putting date stamps really on blog posts, you know, like that's not a good thing. So it's like curating that evergreen content where people can just keep sharing it. And it feels like you just wrote it, you know, a couple of weeks ago or a few months ago, it doesn't seem like it was 10 years old or five years old, you know? Well, and when that older content, especially like you were talking about 2012, a number of years ago, does that content pop back up just simply through a search or what do you know the technicalities behind what kind of pushes that back to the top, especially if it's that long ago? Yeah. So I, I mean, of course it's like an algorithm and understanding algorithms, is, sure. you know, like really complicated, but I think what probably does it is just, you know, like people repinning again, or it just, it being relevant still like Pinterest okay. still sees it as being relevant. Okay. Um, and I know now Pinterest, I kind of have this as like a tip, I think too, but Pinterest now they are putting emphasis on fresh content. So before I think people were kind of riding off of, they would get a popular pin and then they would just keep repinning that pin Uh, kind of like over and over, like every day, right? Just like repin, 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 like that same pin and Pinterest would be like, okay, cool. You know, like this must be popular. Well, now they're wanting fresh content. So like content creators are what is big and what they kind of want. Well, as photographers, it's like what we are, right? I mean, we all have hundreds of photos like yep. from a session, yep. you know? So it's like we have the content and that's what they want. They want like the content, they want information, they want new, you know, new things coming into Pinterest, not just and not that repinning is bad. It's it's definitely not bad and and they still will allow that obviously, but they're really putting emphasis on kind of that new content. Like they want the new, you know, what's trending now, what's new now, things like that. Will you talk to me just briefly about your your weekly workflow as it relates to, to Pinterest? Because I know that maybe yeah. some photographers are like, you know what, I'm already dealing with Facebook and Instagram and I'm blogging every once in a while. The idea of adding another social media platform and you know trying to keep up with all the cute stuff on TikTok, like so many different things. <laughs> the yep. idea of like spending time, a lot of time, especially on, on an additional platform might be a bit overwhelming. Can you break down the amount of time that you're spending in a week and what that looks like, how you're spending that time um, for our listeners, just for some context yeah absolutely so it's mostly like most of the time i spend would be on creating the blog post okay and creating a good blog post right like that is where the bulk of it goes so i'm learning a lot more about seo and trying to figure you know kind of that out and and how many words you should include like all of that stuff i mean that's all like pretty technical too but but just trying to think of terms like doing you know sem rush things like that like the seo a little bit to really understand what would be a good topic um, to even write about and then spending most of that time really writing, like getting the photos that I think will work best on Pinterest. Um, so then, you know, collecting all of that, getting all that ready. So after I've written the post, 
um, you know, which sometimes writing a good post that, that takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like it really can take a long time researching and, you yeah. know, really doing all of that. But then after I've written it and gotten it all on my website, you know, and, and organized, then um, I make sure that the images have like the metadata, like the descriptions, everything that you need kind of for that. And then once it's published, it's actually pretty easy um, to put it on Pinterest. Like all the hard work is done, honestly, um, with the blog post and the writing and, and all of that. So I use the I use Tailwind, um, which is an app, and it's approved by uh, Pinterest and actually Instagram as well. So they're not going like Pinterest and Instagram won't. Um, what is it like penalize you for using it? Um, and it's a great, it's a great tool. I absolutely love Tailwind, but so yeah, so I have the extension with Tailwind. So I'll go to my blog post that I just published. I'll click the Tailwind extension and then it brings up all the images from that post and all of the, like the metadata and the like descriptions will kind of auto populate. And I just select which images I want to put into my Tailwind queue and so I just select all of those and it basically goes into the queue and it gets scheduled. Wow. And that's like mostly it. So I'm able to then also share within, there's something called Tailwind Tribes, which I don't know. Have you heard of those? No. Do you know? Okay. So Tailwind, Tailwind is like the overarching. And then within that, there's called these Tailwind Tribes. And it's kind of like, do you know, like Instagram pods or those kind of things like where you would post and then someone would go and like and comment on your Instagram yes. post. Yeah, 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 like yeah. that was kind of popular. Yeah. So I, it kind of is like that, right? So I would share a pin that I just created. I would share it into this Tailwind tribe and it's full of people that say are, you know, also pinning wedding or, you know, whatever topic um, or niche that you're in, you'd find a tribe for that. And then they're able to share your content too with their followers. So it just really helps your reach. So sometimes I think some of mine have like 30 or 40 repins from those Tailwind tribes alone. So from other people, and then I'm able to go in there and also share other people's content as well. So it kind of fills in when I don't have, maybe I haven't blogged in a little bit, then I go back into my Tailwind tribes and like find really good content to also share with my followers on Pinterest. Wow. So it's really cool. Okay. And, and yeah. just for clarity's sake, and maybe most people figure this out, but the, the significance, of course, of the blog as it relates to Pinterest is that you are actually linking, those images are linked back to the blog post, which naturally sends people to your blog, to your website, generating that we're, the, the traffic that we're talking about. Again, most people probably Absolutely. figure that out, but I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. So the, the blogging, how much time would you say that you spend on, if, if you were to guess, like on an average blog post? Oh, gosh. I don't, I mean, because I, my website isn't the best and it's not an actual blog. It takes me a lot of time to like figure it out and make it, you know, kind of look good, but oh, okay. that's why I'm going to rebrand and get a different website um, here soon. But, but I think writing it, I mean, sometimes it takes me just like a few hours, you know, I'm able to really, you know, sit down and I know what I, what I need to say, you know, and I know what I can write about, um, that's kind of SEO and, you know, it's got all those things with it, but then other times I'm like drawing a blank and it takes me a bit longer to, but I don't, maybe like 10 hours. I don't know. I mean, that's just like a random to kind of get everything together. I feel like that's 
pretty reasonable, but again, I should probably time myself <laughs> so I can tell how long I spend doing it. But, well, I mean, 10 hours, yeah. it, it seems, I mean, that's a chunk of time, but if you're, I mean, yeah. what you were talking about earlier is 60% of your weddings are actually coming from largely your blog. And of course, how that relates to Pinterest yeah. and Google and SEO, it, it seems like time pretty well spent. And I'm sure as you're talking about, as you get a newer mm-hmm. website, that, that that process will become even more streamlined, make it even easier right. for you. But the, the blogging right. and then using Tailwind, of course, we'll link to Tailwind uh, and the Tailwind Tribes in the show notes at bookapodcast.com for anybody who's curious, wants to jump over there. And um, it, I should go ahead and mention, too, just for further context for our listeners, what is your Pinterest um, username or the, the URL for your Pinterest? Yeah, so it's just um, Kristen K Photography at the at the end so like pinterest.com um slash kristen k photography okay perfect yeah we'll link to that in the show notes so everybody can start commenting on and repinning your post too and drive even more traffic for you but oh thank you y'all are going to want to see how kristen is is managing handling her account because this is a really great example of what is is possible um how do you track the the results from your pinterest post this may seem obvious but is there a particular tracking tool or tools within pinterest or are you using some third-party tool to do that with? No, so so Pinterest um, has awesome analytics. They have, I mean, it's pretty robust. You're able to see how your pins are doing, um, you know, how many clicks, how many saves, how many, you know, repins or whatever, like all of that within Pinterest. And then also Tailwind, of course, they have their own analytics, which kind of mimic what Pinterest analytics are. Um, but then again, you have like the Tailwind tribe, analytics as well, which is really cool. So you can see how many people um, have been pinning your pins and then how, um, how, how many people, like how many followers they have. So sometimes like the potential reach is like millions, you know, just because of those people, they have a ton of followers, right. And they have a bunch of views on their Pinterest. So, so it's really cool to see those as well, the, with the Tailwind Tribe analytics. And then of course, Google analytics is another big one. Um, We kind of talked about that earlier too, but it's, you know, really searching, okay, which pins are doing well? Is that translating to like, to which blog post, um, which I was going to mention as well, like it, Pinterest does love when you link to an actual blog post that is relevant to the pin. Hmm. They don't really want you just to link back to your website, like your homepage, right? right? right. They want it to be very specific. So like this image goes with this blog post um, and they can tell it's really crazy. That was one of my kind of extra tips as well, but Pinterest can read your pin. So if you put text on your pin, they can read that. And then they can tell, like, they just gather all the information of, like, what's in the pin, what the photo is of. And then they check to make sure that those images are kind of, like, very similar and or are on your blog post that you're linking to to make sure it all, you know, kind of goes together and, like, integrity and, you know, making sure all of that. So that's really interesting as well. So I think that's why, too, like, they really want it to be linked to something helpful, uh, to a blog post, to something very specific rather than just here's my homepage, you know, kind of a thing. So, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Okay. Well, that that's good. And we'll, again, we'll link to all of these resources that you've mentioned in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, I know I say it quite a bit, but if you don't take advantage of the show notes, you're kind of missing out because we link to all the resources from each conversation. The talking points are there as well. And shout out to Haley for producing the show and making all that happen, putting that all together. Of course, if you're using a podcast app of some kind, you may also be able to see the show notes in there. Although it's the weirdest thing. I, I 
still, you know, here we are 2020 and podcasts are as popular as they are. Not every podcast formats or podcast app formats show notes accurately, I guess you should say, the way that we've created them. So I have to try to figure out how to address that most effectively. But at the very least, bocapodcast.com, see all the resources that Kristen has mentioned today. And Kristen, before we finish our conversation, um, you've alluded to some tips, some additional tips, and you had mentioned to me ahead of time that you had a few extra tips to throw in um, regarding using Pinterest. Can you go ahead and share those now? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of mentioned them um, before, but I can kind of, you know, sum them up. And so one of them, yeah, one of them was, um, is that Pinterest, they're putting the emphasis on the fresh content. So like I said, like for photographers, that's like a dream, right? Like, oh, we have so many photos, we could easily post like a photo a day for probably like 20 years, you know? So yeah, so that fresh content is what they're really liking. Um, And then make sure so you're when you take a pin and you put it, um, and you're ready to put it on, you know, different board, you're ready to schedule that to put it on the board that is the most relevant. So if you have, sometimes you have different boards that are, you know, all kind of similar or things like that, but make sure that it goes to the most relevant board first, because Pinterest uses that to understand what's in the pin. Okay. Um, So that's another tip. So make sure it goes to that. And then from there, once it's on that that board, then you can kind of, you know, repin and share it to other boards as well throughout. Um, and another one that I've, I've been kind of trying out to see if it helps it all or helps me get noticed. But so when somebody will repin, especially when it's my um, like Las Vegas elopement photos, when they, I can see, I go into Pinterest and I can see the notifications of like which pins have been repinned and, and all of that. So I'll kind of go in like, you know, maybe once a day or every other day and I'll kind of scroll through and see who has pinned it, has repinned these Las Vegas elopements. And then if it's pinned to a wedding board or sometimes it'll be like Vegas wedding or Vegas elopement, I'll follow either that board or I'll follow them um, to kind of like, maybe they get like a little ping, like somebody followed you, you know, and then I'm that kind of top of mind again, like, oh, hey, what, you know, what is this about? And so they'll maybe come back to me or, you know, hopefully like reach out. But I've kind of just started doing this, like, maybe it's kind of creepy, but I'm trying to just, you know, like kind of work out and see if that helps as yeah. well. Um, well, I mean, it's no really not really any different than what we would do on Instagram or Facebook, right? Follow back exactly. or go like somebody else's pictures. So I, I don't think that's creepy. Yep. Yeah, right. Okay, good. No, it's like, I think that's just something. I've, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, you know, like, because um, when you get those notifications, and you can kind of see like what other pins they're pinning, it's, it's really interesting too to even just yeah. see, you know, what, what they're finding relevant, what else they're looking at for Las Vegas elopements, or for whatever your niche is, even just gathering that information. I mean, honestly, that's what I love about Pinterest. Like you can go so deep with it um, and just get so much more information. And I feel like you're getting so much more bang for your buck, right? Like maybe it takes 10 hours, but that content can live on for 10 years. Right. right and it right. can continue bringing people in an Instagram post like that lives for a day and then, and then it's gone, you know? So once I started doing that or realizing that I put a lot more focus on Pinterest, like I'm, really bad at Instagram now because I put so much more focus on Pinterest. Um, but I'm trying to get back into Instagram and and like it again, you know, but, but yeah, Pinterest, you also, another great thing with Pinterest is you don't have to be catchy with your phrases. Like you literally describe what is in the photo. You describe what the blog post is about. You give some helpful tips or here is what my post is about. You know, that's literally what you do with Pinterest. So for me, it was like, oh, so nice not to have to get all creative with with um, Instagram posts and, you know, asking questions and things like that. 
Well, this has been really helpful just to gain perspective, especially for those who aren't familiar with using Pinterest, at least not proactively anyway, for their marketing efforts. I mean, it's very obvious based on your statistics that a lot is possible and it doesn't seem like the effort in and of itself has to be overly involved. And, you know, 10 hours might Mm -hmm. seem overwhelming to some. We're not suggesting that it's going to take you 10 hours to write uh, all of your future blog posts. Maybe some of you write faster or using a different mm-hmm. tool you found more efficient, whatever the case. But the point is to to write those blogs. And and I really love, Kristen, that you highlighted the fact that photographers do have endless content. I've, I've honestly, I've been mm-hmm. amazed kind of for a while when I hear photographers say that they're getting ready to work on their new, new website and they say it with kind of this, the sense of stress and maybe a little bit of disdain <laughs> and, and, you know, I got to go find pictures for my website. And I'm, when you just think about it, like we have these wonderful tools like Lightroom, for example, you import a wedding, whether mm-hmm. you're having photographers edit process it or somebody else process it, or you're processing it yourself. It's not difficult to, at, after you've imported that wedding into Lightroom to flag a few images or to star a few images to process them. And then you can mm-hmm. always go back to those. And if we shoot 20, 30 weddings a year or 50, 60 portrait sessions a year, there are endless images to pull from. And if, when you look at those images yeah. after you shoot, shoot them, you've just flagged a few, then you always have the ability to very quickly go back and pull favorites from each of those. And so the idea of certainly putting a website together or updating a website, but writing blog content and having that ready for Pinterest isn't actually that mm-hmm. complicated, or at least, at least it doesn't have to be if we're leveraging the right. tools um, that are right there in front of us. So I want to encourage everybody listening in, every time you go do a shoot, again, whether you're processing the images or you're having somebody else process it, make sure that you at least flag a few for, yes, social mm-hmm. media, for blog posts, um, for Pinterest, and and do that. Do that with 10, 15, 20 images from from that group, depending on how many you shot all together. And, and it's very easy then to go back to that Lightroom catalog and pull those images later, and it doesn't have to be a source of stress. Um, and for that yeah. matter, as Kristen's pointed out, it can actually be a source of business if you've got a great workflow in place like that. Absolutely. And I will say too, like, so when you are um, flagging the images, so Pinterest tends to like vertical images, okay. just because of the way the platform is, um, you know, and they kind of stand out a little bit more. So mostly try to, you know, kind of pin uh, vertical images, because okay. um, those tend to be what work best, but, but play around with it again. Um, you know, you never know, you know, what image might end up being like really popular, you know, really circulate a lot, but, but yeah, vertical tends to be, so make sure to at least have a few of those or something you can kind of crop to like a vertical, um, that works like that. Yeah. Cause that's the the best thing for Pinterest. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I I really can't thank you enough, Kristen, for making time to do the show today, for making time for our community. And, uh, just one more time, if you can remind our listeners where they can find you, your website and, and social media as well. Yeah, so website is kristinkphotography.com. And then Instagram is Kristen and K, so K A Y photography. And yeah, on Facebook too, same thing, Kristen K photography. Um, I'm not as active on Facebook, but, <laughs> but yeah, Pinterest, um, you know, you can find me on there too. And yeah, message me on Instagram or anything. If you have any follow up questions, I'm happy to help people. I'm, I'm like obsessed with Pinterest, so I can gl- gladly talk about it for a I, long time. That's very gracious of you. And, and thank you not only yeah. for being willing to share with the individuals out there, but with all of us today and with me and um, for everybody listening in, make sure you go check out the show notes from today, Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Take advantage of those. And thanks once again, Kristen, for, for hanging out. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? 
And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.